Season 2, Book 2, Episode 1, Chapter 1. It's so good to be back. Welcome back. It's been a, yeah. w- a week we took off to prepare for this, to make some changes. Yeah, clear the head, get ready. Our last... mind-boggling experience. Yeah. Uh, our, yeah. Our last few episodes, we spent a lot of time with each other and exploring tangents and things like that. David, I like you. I like everything oh, I learn you, about you. Yeah. But I want to get straight to this book. Let's get straight to this straight book. Straight to this book. Chapter one is called... Spying by Telescope. Now, I don't want to spoil anything, but the fact that the word telescope is in the title, I feel like we're going to... I just want to put a pin in that because we're going to come back to it. Because that matters to the author (laughs) a lot. (laughs) We're going to see that that telescopes are are really the author's thing. I don't know. I just really like telescopes. Yeah, I, I, I put it in the first chapter. Uh, do, do you want to give us just the opening paragraph just to set the scene here? Yes, I do. So you boys want to help me on another case? Fenton Hardy, internationally known detective, smiled at his teenage sons. So two things here. One, I like the voice, but remember, we're back. Oh, we're back to this is the lean, new hall. This, this is ASMR. Yes, That's right. This is, Hello, boys. Yes. Why don't you help <laughs> me on a case? This isn't the nitty or, or the gritty, rather yeah. the, the gritty, rough, right? Old Fenton Hardy from no, the nineteen twenties. This is nineteen sixties Fenton. Fenton Hardy. Right. Yeah. Oh, bummer. Um, but I noticed the absence of an article. It says Fenton Hardy, comma, internationally known detective, smiled at his teenage sons. It didn't say Fenton Hardy, an international known detective. It, it is as though he is the. Yeah, the it one is and implied. only. It is yeah. not one of yeah. the many internationally known detectives. This He's is like Fenton the Hardy. Austin Powers of private detectives. I mean, there's only international one international man of detective. Man of, yeah, exactly. So, just, we're one paragraph in, and we have, the narrator has once again established that Fenton Hardy... The cots, cots, the cat's pajamas. Is the cat's pajamas. Yeah. And the cots. Yeah. Fish can wear pajamas. The fish's knees. <laughs> uh, and then we've we've got, like, three paragraphs of... Just exposition. I I think I was going to make fun of this a little bit, but I think it is done efficiently. If you're just picking up one of these books, yeah. Paragraph two, uh, Dad, you said you're working on a very mysterious case right now. Frank spoke up. Isn't there some angle of it that Joe and I could tackle? Mister Hardy looked out the window of his second floor study, as if searching for the answer somewhere in the town of Bayport, where the Hardys lived. So we know where they are. Yeah. We know that it's a second floor study. Yeah. So not only is it a study, a it's an extra man. room yeah. on an extra floor of their house. So yeah. Hardy's got money. Right between the lines, yeah, yeah. There's some funding behind the Hardys here. He's got a great view, too. Um, and so, yeah, he starts to explain that he's got this case that he can help, uh, that they may be able to help with. Um, but interestingly, and again, this is a 17 and 18-year-old boy, uh, and the first line that Fenton says for the case, do you want to take it? It's this guy right here. All right. How would you like to look for some smugglers? Yeah. 
I want to look for smugglers, what but a, I don't want my children doing yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> what a weird thing to be like. Can yeah. we can we help you on your mysterious case? Fine. How about you boys go look for smugglers? Like that's seems- smuggling children from <laughs> India. <laughs> yeah, I guess they don't really. Say- oh, they they do get to. Yeah, what's, they what's get being into smuggled. It. Uh, but yeah, and speaking of smugglers, um, while not a smuggler, I don't think. In the opening pages of this book, there's an illustration. It seems like that is a formula oh, yeah. of these books. There is an illustration that is a keyhole into a later scene. They picked uh, in the first book. It was Joe falling into space. Yeah, when they the were climbing in the, in the old tower and the railing breaks, and he falls into space. So they picked this very tense moment. Yeah, this moment of action, high action, which they added in as yeah. we compared the two books. So like, yeah, this one is. Is just them saying, maybe I can give you a tip where to find your father, said Pretzel Pete. <laughs> and there's a drawing, there's an illustration of, sure enough, an old guy with a bunch of pretzels with a hat that says Pretzel Pete. Yeah. He He's looks the like the bird lady from Home Alone. Very much so. And uh, the two boys have some pinstripe pants, their classic turtlenecks. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this on our Instagram Oh, yeah, you I think you, you should. It's a fantastic photo. This will be... Uh... Pretzel Pete is also, like, cupping his mouth like he's yelling, even though they're only about a foot apart. You see or this? is he whispering? <laughs> and they appear to I be loading the Titanic behind him. <laughs> now, Whoa. his box... He looks like my Doc phone, Brown. My phone recognized Frank's face. Are you serious? It's that good. It's that good of an uh, illustration. Hats off to the author. Well done. Uh, but yeah, so at some point we're going to find out that apparently they can't find their father. And they gotta Pretzel, go to Pretzel Pete, Pete may have some answers. But so for now, they're just tasked with how about, how about some smugglers. Like look, look for some smugglers. Yeah. Uh, and then we get this uh, some exposition. They get excited. Uh, and I've got in this third paragraph, the lean athletic detective walked to a corner of the study where a long, narrow carrying case stood. Tapping it, he said, you boys have learned how to manipulate this telescope pretty well, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I just like how they threw in lean and athletic. Yeah, I know. I always imagined my Fenton as a little portly. I didn't imagine him as portly, but like the 1960s version of a dad bod. Yeah. like He's, uh, he's not... Shapeless over shape, but yeah, he is just he's kind of like a blob, he's like a thin blob, a thin blob. Yeah. Well said, yeah, sinewy. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't see him getting up, going to the gymnasium. He doesn't have time for that. He's no, always eating out on the road, like, too. He got back inside from his cycling trip. Yeah, Fenton was meal prepping. He's a <laughs> Fenton was counting what his do you macros. Make, Dad? chicken and broccoli. <laughs> I've added a little bit of rice for some flavor. <laughs> it's filled with cayenne pepper to make me poopies. <laughs> oh, Dad, you're crazy. <laughs> you know he's jet lagged, too. Like, all that flying. Like, Fenton's got trouble pooping. I know that. All yeah. that stress from every the case. Lines. Yeah. There's no way this man is a thin, athletic detective well that's what they're saying he is here in lies uh so they uh they agree and they ask him you know can we bring some friends along is this is smuggling stuff a secret (laughs) yeah and fenton says uh nah yeah i I trust you you and your special friend oh i'm skipping ahead i'm sorry i'm so sorry so it's it's 
uh, Dad, do you have any any idea who the uh, who the smuggler is? Like, do you know his identity? Yes, I do. Mister Hardy answered. His tall, dark-haired son. It's Frank. Being Frank. Uh, I strongly suspect that a man named Felix Snatman... I was Snatman! (laughs) uh, ...is operating in this territory. I'll give you the whole story. Felix Snatman. S-N-A-T-T-M-A-N. What a name. It's a great name. You got the smuff and the snat. Smuff and the Snatman. Oscar's Muff and the Snapman. That's a morning show <laughs> That's a morning that I would watch. <laughs> yeah, like That's good stuff. Jake That's... and the Fat Man, but it's Smuff and the Snapman. <laughs> <laughs> I think we have our book. I think we know what it is. Our Hardy, Hardy and uh, Sons book is, is uh, Smuff and the, and the Snapman. Smuff and the Snapman. I like it. Yeah. I'm excited. To, I, I would like a like concert poster t-shirt. Oh yeah, I think we could do Smuff and the Snapman pretty easy. I do I'm excited too. to learn more about him later. Well, you know they they be, be, allude like, some j- things. Just, just for the they they haven't talked about his build yet. We haven't found out the like three things: whether or not he's fat, good yeah. looking, uh, or lean or dark haired. Those <laughs> yeah. are like the three things you can. You are either yes or, or no. flashing blue eyes, Ooh, as Joe was as described Joe has, as yes. earlier. Um, but so he, the detective went on to say that he had been engaged by an international pharmaceutical company to trace stolen shipments of valuable drugs. Oh. Local police had worked on the case, uh, but had failed to apprehend any suspects. Then we get – give us this paragraph uh, of Hardy uh, starting just below the top of the page on, on three. Headquarters of the firm <laughs> is in India, the detective told the boys. It was through them that I finally called in. I'm sure that the thefts are the result of smuggling very cleverly done. That's the reason I suspect the Snat Man. He's a noted criminal and has been mixed up in smuggling rackets before. He served a long term in prison and after being released, dropped out of sight. Snat Man's dead. Maybe. But if Snapman did it, I'm going to be so angry. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So in the first book... <laughs> he better be dead. In the first book, when they go to the cops and they get a record for a criminal, it's Red Jackley. Yeah. And then the rest of the book is just confirming that. Right. They had a convicted criminal who sort of fit the bill. Yeah. I want the house formula. I want them to think they know what it is, but then the guy just gets worse. Yeah. And but then it, they got to re, you know, recrack the case. House MD... <laughs> I would, you know, that's what it is. I would like to see Hugh Laurie play Fenton Hardy. Yes, it, like, well, uh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, that his character as as Gregory House, yeah, that like <laughs> abrasive, clever, uh, very wise, but very short with, uh, very impatient with people. Right. That's what I want my Fenton Hardy to be. I agree with Greg you on House. that. That's, I'm going to picture that. Yeah. Every time I read Fenton now, this I'm going to go watch some House so I can get my Hugh Laurie voice down. Hugh Laurie. American, as American, yeah. As the American, it's yeah. Important. I don't want that British. But Ugh. yeah, if the, if the rest of this book is just proving that Felix Snapman <laughs> is guilty, I'm going to be disappointed that they gave it to us on page three. <laughs> yeah, I know. He better be dead. He dropped out of sight. And you think he's working in Bayport? Uh, doesn't that make this town of 
that doesn't make this town a very healthy place to live in. But we're going to make it so, Mr. Hardy declared, a ring of severity in his voice. I like that. I do too, I think, yeah. I think this is where he's beginning his run for office. Yeah, I was going to say, I his... could see him just like opening up his desk and pulling out his shotgun and just, but we're going to make it so. <laughs> just Sean Connery and the Untouchable. Yes. Fenton's <laughs> just loading up, man, pulling Never out grenades. Never bring a telescope to a binocular fight. That was a solid Connery. That was a good Connery, dude. Yes, uh, Godspeed, good speed. So he's telling us, like, where the kids are asking, okay, you gave us this telescope, and we're going to spy looking for smugglers out in the bay taking stuff from a pharma- pharmaceutical boat. That's, that's yeah. the, the gist of their role so yeah, far. Yeah, this is our setup. So they're saying, like, well, where, where exactly do you want us to set up this telescope? Because he, he had this, you know, it's this place eight miles... The place is two miles north of the end of the bay and eight miles from here. So he's got some location in mind, I guess, where this ship is uh, that may be getting smuggled. But uh, so just where is the spot where to use the telescope? It's on Pollitt Place, P-O-L-L-I-T-T. It's on Pollitt Place. You'll see the name at the entrance. An old man named Felix Pollitt lived there alone for many years. He was found dead in the house about a month ago, and the place has been vacant ever since. It sounds if we can get some terrific range up and down the shore from there, and many miles across the water. He just said this man was dead. There is a a lack of sensitivity. Yeah, I'd be like, wait, was he murdered? Like, I don't want to go to this place, Dad. But I just want to... We've had two characters introduced to us that aren't Hardys at this point. Only two. Both of them are named Felix. We have Felix Snatman and Felix oh, yeah. Pollitt. And I why why yeah. So it's one of two things. It's either lazy writing or Pollitt is the Snapman. Or Pollitt is the Snapman, <laughs> which again, if this is page 3 and if we find out that this smuggler was Felix Pollitt who okay, changed so his name but not his first name. The Snapman is in witness protection. Through Fenton Hardy. Hardy tracked down the Snapman. Snapman gave up everyone, right? Yeah. This is where I'm at. Okay. So Hardy knows, like, well, I'm just sending him over to Felix. Felix is safe. The Snapman's not dangerous anymore. So my sons are going to go over to his house. But why is he putting his sons on this wild goose chase for the non-existent, the phantom Snapman? I don't know. We'll find out in chapter two. We'll find out in chapter two, yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, let's see... uh, it's one thirty now. You ought to be able to go out up there, stay a fair amount of time, and still get home to supper. And I wrote, good. You've got it <laughs> yeah. underlined, too. Yeah. In book two, food is still the priority. <laughs> we will deal with that after supper. Don't worry about being safe. Don't worry yeah. about any of that. Go Just chase a smuggler home. quickly in this dead man's house. Yeah. Uh, but make sure you're home for dinner. Your mom made chicken. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, great. Can, can yeah. Chet come? Your mom raised a chicken. <laughs> With almost no flavor. <laughs> she slightly burns it. Just because <laughs> I, like I like the it. texture. <laughs> Burnt skin, sons. Just remember what the crow said it's... to the flightless man. <laughs> Flap as much as you like. You'll never be me. I don't know what that was, but that's just Fenton advice. Well, that's like in the uh, in the old book, that original version, when he was giving like all those metaphor or the you know analogies, as, analogies they, too. as they were leaving. It's like 
don't count your eggs before they hatch. Also, <laughs> many a slip between the cup and the, and lip. the lip. Also, <laughs> guys, uh, are you there, boys? So this this gets into the first. We just get a little taste about the author and this telescope. <laughs> Uh, where they're like, okay, our, our motorcycles can really burn up there, uh, burn up the road. So like, yeah, they're and make the environment, quick. Frank. But his father smiled, but cautioned, this telescope happens to be very valuable. The less jouncing it receives, the better. So already we're learning a little bit about telescope <laughs> care. Yeah. Don't <laughs> jounce. Not Don't jounce. <laughs> Careful with the jouncing. And that's just like jousting, right? Yeah, this yeah. is this is jouncing. I wonder if telescope jousting <laughs> is a sport anywhere. For very I very I think rich I people. just found our cover image. Is two boys on telescope motorcycles jousting. with telescopes. Uh, okay, so so this is when he says, you know, can we uh is this confidential? Can we bring a couple fellows along? And Fenton says, you know, uh of course I don't want the news broadcast. But I know I can trust your special friends. That is so creepy. Yeah. That is so creepy. Call them up. <laughs> yeah. He goes on. Actually, I have Chet's number right here. <laughs> I was just speaking Dad, with Dad, I, I just hit redial and it was Chet for some reason. What's going on? Your friends are very special to me, son. I was trying to plan a surprise with Iola for Joe's birthday. <laughs> So they call Chet and Biff. Chet was a stout, good-natured boy who loved to eat. Classic. Come, Come on. on. This is book two. This is at least 1951. I think it's implied, and I don't want to get judgmental here, but I think it's implied that when you say someone is stout, that they love to eat. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's a math problem. <laughs> calories in, calories out. That's how, that's how you gain weight. I've been doing it for a while now. It's... I love to eat. It's fine. Yeah. So does Chet. So does Chet. He still has his uh, his car, which he calls the Queen, and he's been trying to soup up the motor so that he can have a real hot rod. I like how they put both soup up and, and hot, hot rod, rod yeah. in quotations. Once again, just thinking about food. Yeah. If we, yeah, can, use, soup? If we can use a, a soup metaphor, that'd yeah. be great. I'm More really soup, hungry. But you know what I like? I like hot... I like hot rods. <laughs> <laughs> I like my rods hot. Yeah. And my soup's up. And the soup up. <laughs> Cook the soup on the hot rod. And then... We, yeah, you stick the hot rod in the cold soup. Then we get this little note about... Uh, in contrast to Chad, Biff Hooper was tall and lanky. And... The, <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Read that next sentence. In contrast to Chad, Biff Hooper was tall and lanky. To the amusement and wonder of the other boys, he used his legs almost as a spider does, covering <laughs> tremendous distance on level ground or vaulting fences. How many legs you got, Biff? How many legs? How do you and walk like a spider? <laughs> think of the tallest person you know. Think of think of like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar yeah. or like anyone who is because I I would say that Biff is probably not taller than Yao Ming. I don't know, with spider legs like that? He might be. He's got a short t torso, long legs. A, these people don't just, like, cruise along. Like, and how annoying would that be if you bring Biff and he's just gone? 
Like if you're if you're working with Biff and he covers tremendous ground, <laughs> you're not with him then, unless all the boys hopped on Biff's back, <laughs> on Biff's lanky back, and sped off faster than the motorcycle could I'm take. I'm thinking them. like Biff's riding on the back of the motorcycle here. How his legs aren't dragging the whole time too. He just like, got lifted him up in like a V position. Looks like or Goofy on a tractor, just <laughs> yeah. knees up by his head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with his spider legs I just, uh, i'm trying to like describe how i see biff walking and i can't but it's like one leg going really high like oh, yeah. he's just going like over fences spider. with each and mo- he moves sideways a lot <laughs> like a crab uh, so they picked Joe up sleeps upside down and comes <laughs> down to your ceiling with his webs <laughs> you guys see my string it's so strong it's so strong uh, so they they go and they get Chet. Uh, Chet gets on their bike. Biff gets on their bike, uh, and then they start getting. Here, here we get some teases. <laughs> so they've they've got Biff and Chet, and they're they're going on these motorcycles. Uh, and then uh, Chet says, "I've never seen a powerful telescope in operation." He remarked, "How far away can you see with this thing?" Well, it all depends on weather conditions. Frank replied. On a clear day, you can make out human figures at distances of 24 miles. Wow, Chet exclaimed. We ought to be able to find those smugglers easily. I wouldn't say so, Biff spoke up. Biff spoke up from nine (laughs) feet above the boys. I wouldn't say so. (laughs) Smugglers have the same kind of boats as everybody else. How close do you have to be to identify a person? Oh, about two and a half miles, Joe answered. So, well, 24 miles, you can make out a human? Like, what is that, an ant at that point, though? I would, that, that sort of makes sense to me. Like, if you can see, like, that it's not a dot, but it is, like, an actual okay. human. You can see a human figure, but you couldn't recognize them. It's just, right. like, the vague outline in the distance. But at two and a half miles, you could, like, see facial features enough to recognize. Um, or their boot print. Their identifying Oh, know, yeah, classic documents. Unless they're wearing circular discs on their feet. But, yeah, if it's a dog that's done the robbing. <laughs> But at 24 miles, that's just very specific. These are clearly like stats. So I'm picturing, and as we go on, two things. Yeah. One, the author just bought a really nice <laughs> telescope, and it's sitting nearby. And like, he with, just keeps looking over with, with each word he types. Like, yeah. look at her. As soon as I finish this chapter, I'm going to go outside and use the telescope. Those nozzles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But he's looking at the box and it says, like, ah, can make out human figures at a distance of 24 miles. You can even recognize them at two and a half. I'll include that here in the book. So we're we're getting that. So the two things are, one, the author just bought a telescope and it's sitting very near him and he hasn't been able to use it yet. And two, the author's wife and children do not care. Yeah. Are completely unimpressed with his telescope where he has to insist how great it is. Yeah, and this writer lives in London, and it's been really foggy the past few days. (laughs) I'm like, I bought this thing a week ago. I still can't even use it. That's why I keep writing this dumb book. Yeah. (laughs) For his great weather conditions, maybe I could see somebody. It's just been me sitting up here with these spiders looking (laughs) for inspiration. I'm just a man. Now, everything... The, like like in Wizard of Oz when she comes to at the end and you see like 
her her relatives all look oh, like, like the, yeah, the, the kings <laughs> and you know the people from Oz and all this, and you realize it was just this fever dream that she was having or whatnot. Yeah, I'm picturing the author waking up and like, what is the reality around him? And yeah, the smugglers. And that's and what makes it into this book. Turns out he's hallucinating because he didn't take his medication, well, and that's where like the, the pharmaceuticals, pharmaceuticals got drugs. Sm- yeah. smuggled out. <laughs> That's why I've been having these dreams. His children have just been taking all the pharmaceutical drugs. <laughs> this book gets real dark in the end. <laughs> huh. But onward we go. So they, they find the pallet place. It's a run-down, creepy house, overgrown with weeds. But they go out behind it where they can see out over the bay. I got One of my favorite things, though, is when they pull up. It says, the boys rode on in silence. But suddenly, they all exclaim together, there, there it is! is. <laughs> and then I just imagine that classic scene where they all look at each other. And at the same time, everyone is just like, well, that was weird. Stop <laughs> yeah. copying me. And that just goes <laughs> on for 10 minutes. the entire time. Yeah. They, uh, the thing that... that trips me up about their motorcycle ride now is that they've got these little motorcycles that are fast. Yeah. Joe has Biff on the back of his and Frank has Chet on the back of his as well as a telescope. telescope. And before we start getting into the good telescope porn (laughs) that awaits us, uh, Frank unstrapped the carrying case and lugged it around to the front of the house. So this thing's heavy. Yeah. How was it on the motorcycle? How was it balanced with Chet? Yeah. Yeah. It seems strange, uh, but then he unfastened the locks, and Joe helped his brother lift out the telescope and attached tripod, pulling up the eye end section first. That is a that is a that's what I'm going to call for the rest is that's a window uh, a windowsill flower pot. Yeah, that's just a detail that, that no n- one needs. We don't need to know why it was brought up eye end section first. Yeah. This guy's just like, I want everyone to know, I read the manual. But it, I know the proper technique yeah, of taking out I a telescope. Yeah, I can see it right there. You don't lift it out big and first. All of his friends are I like first, telescope enthusiasts. That he's just like, not today, Bill. I got this right. This is Trying accurate. so hard to fit in. <laughs> yeah. See, and the boys lifted it out. I end <laughs> first, guys. Sheila. <laughs> Sheila, we lifted out. I end first. The... <laughs> His daughter accidentally just lifted it the wrong way. He's just writing this for them. Just be like, next time you touch my telescope. I end end first. first. What do we say, kids? (laughs) I end first. But Joe had to help him lift it. That's how heavy this thing is. I can't imagine it's balanced. Because we get into in a second. Oh yeah, they have to do the balancing balance and yeah. the weight that they attach to it. We're going to get all these these hot telescope details. Oh yeah. But uh, I, I just wonder how they attached it to a motorcycle. That doesn't seem... No, and it was Chet, I would have just tied it around Biff's spider legs. Yeah, had him walk along <laughs> next to the motorcycles. It'd yeah, be about the same he's pace. I'll just put it on a backpack. It's like Luke Skywalker with Yoda. It's just this big old telescope <laughs> you, you on his back. You don't even notice. Oh. I end first. Uh, so as, as they pull it up, I end first. I, we, we have to just read most of this. I'm sorry. It's, oh, no, it's it has too to good be read. It's too good to read, yeah. Uh, they lift up the eye in section for first. Biff and Chet exclaimed in admiration, Boy, that's really neat, <laughs> Chet remarked. 
And this is the author, again, just be like, yeah, and all his friends know how cool it is that he got a telescope, and they don't make fun of him for spending the money when things were kind of tight last month with rent, because they know it's a good investment long-term in the family, and that rent prices in this neighborhood are going to adjust, but telescopes are only going to get more expensive. Right, Sheila? (laughs) Just vindictive, justifying his purchase. Did you, did you get a when you got the telescope, uh, Franklin? Did you uh, did you get the uh, attached tripod? Of course, I got the attached <laughs> tripod. Yes, yes, I did. And I this thing the- is really heavy too. Have you noticed how strong I've gotten? Look at these well, forearms. What have you been looking at with that telescope? You watching the neighbors again? No, I've been watching spiders. <laughs> I'm watching spiders. Watching their legs. <laughs> <laughs> Watching the legs go over fences. <laughs> <laughs> You've gotten real weird, Franklin. Right, can I take this first paragraph oh, about the telescope? Do. You get the next one? Please do. He and Biff watched in fascination as Frank and Joe began to set up the telescope. First, they unfastened the tape with which the tube and tripod legs were tied together. Joe turned the three legs down and pulled out the extensions to the desired height. Then Frank secured the tripod legs with a chain to keep them from spreading. That's why we use the chain, Sheila. <laughs> Otherwise, the legs will spread. Always use the chain. I end first. And don't forget the chain. Oh, I got a great joke that I can't make because this is for children. What's next? Biff asked. To get proper balance for the main telescope tube, we slide it through this I have no idea. Trunion sleeve toward the eye end, like this. After doing so, Frank tightened the wing nuts on the tripod lightly. Never too tight. Remember, always go lightly. Joe picked up the balance weight from the carrying case and screwed it into the right side of the telescope tube, about one-third the distance from the eyepiece. (laughs) He's he's like, man, this chapter needs to be like three paragraphs longer. Hand me that user's manual. I got an idea. The boys are going to be fascinated. This will keep the whole thing from being top-heavy, he pointed out. And what's that little telescope along the big one for? Jet query. A finder, Frank explained. Actually, it's a small guide telescope and helps the observer sight his big telescope on the object more easily. It's clear as mud, Chet remarked with a grin. You know, it's kind of like what snipers use when they're dialing in to kill people. Biff, Tony Preto responded. (laughs) Just before I hit. My dad was in Vietnam. Right after they get in the car and lock the door. I guess Vietnam didn't happen yet. I don't know why they're starting to sound like Pacino. (laughs) Uh, He squinted through uh, both ends of the large. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. He squinted through the ends of both the large and small telescopes. I can't see a thing. Joe laughed. And you won't until I insert one of the eyepieces into the adapter of the big telescope and put another eyepiece into the finder. And then lastly, this, this first sentence of the, of the next paragraph. Go ahead. In a few minutes, the Hardys had the fascinating device working. That right there is one of those narrator details where you don't need to add fascinating. Yeah. You can just you can say, say the device. The telescope's up. Or you can have Frank it. or Joe say, like, oh, this device is fascinating. Yeah. But, but clearly, this is the author being like, oh, 
telescopes. Fascinating. They got small knobs they're about to turn. They're going to dial it in. It's going to look so clear and sharp they can see for 24 miles. <laughs> Sheila, the clouds are parting. Come up here. <laughs> By turning a small knob, Frank slowly swung the telescope from left to right. Each boy took a turn looking out across the water. And then Frank sees something, and you know that because he calls out, I see something. I love this, though. It's Chet first saying, not a boat in sight. And then immediately, I see something. (laughs) He now began running. uh, He now began a running account of the scene he had just picked up. It's not very clear, but I see a boat must be at least six miles out. So then then they're they're describing this. I guess he knew that by using the smaller finder. Yeah, maybe that's a range finder. Yeah, I don't know. that's what I'm thinking. Of all details, that one seems odd that it was left out. Yeah. About how you how did range you know it was exactly something. six miles out? My but goodness. What we miss on the pod, if you're if you're not reading along, and we know most of you have the book and you're following along, uh, but if you're not, there's a big illustration on the page right before this, which shows them with the telescope looking out. To the sea, down at this boat, and then you can see like there's an inset in this illustration of the telescope's view, and you can see a man climbing down a ladder of the side of this like giant ship into a small like speedboat. So that's what we have as readers to go with. Um, So then Frank describing this does kind of a bad job, but what we glean from it is he's telling them there's a small boat and there's like somebody climbing down into it from the big boat. Which also, this telescope, you see both scopes, which is great. It's very detailed. And you can see how portly Chet is. Oh, I did not take note For the of first weight. time, Chet is actually a chubby little dude in a ball cap and a windbreaker. Oh, that's right. Because in the first book, yeah, they showed him. was very thin. Yeah, and, and he was fine. He was yeah. stocky, well-built, but not, not yeah. really stout. That boy's I, yeah, a wrestler. We were, we that's what I thought every time that. I yeah. saw him. Now but, I'm just like, oh, yeah. This. I would say this is more portly than stout. I would agree. Yeah. Those are both beers, aren't they? No, port is <laughs> I don't wine. Know, I don't drink. And a stout is beer. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. We're on to something. He was also very thirsty. He was an alcoholic, the man who wrote this. <laughs> an alcoholic telescope Fenton enthusiast. Walked in. He was a real stag. <laughs> Could drink like a fish and everyone was proud of him for it. They all respected him because of the drinking. He had a great chest. A big bush for a beard. No, his body wasn't in fantastic shape anymore, Sheila. But he could drink a lot, and that meant something to some of the boys. If I was Fenton, I would smack you with my four hands. Come up to the second floor study. (laughs) Uh, These are all the beers I know. I don't think four hands is even a beer. I just think it's a company. It's a brewery, yeah. It's a brewery. A very local one, and a lot of our listeners are in Singapore. (laughs) Xing Kang Hao said Singaporeese. Uh, so they're they're looking out and they're like you know trying to see where the boat's going to go, the little boat, and if they can see you know what happens. They're taking turns, uh, and then Chet asks, "Do you suppose they're the smugglers?" And as Frank is saying, "Could be." I think we'd better leave and report this to Dad from the first telephone. We and then he gets cut off. We get into something else. But yeah. right there of like, hey, there's smugglers right now. Let's leave. We're looking at smugglers through a telescope that we set up. Took yeah, about before 45 we can get minutes. any evidence, let's leave. Yeah, let's leave They're and there. tell Dad. There they are. There were Find people, Dad. Dad. 
Dad, yeah, dad, dad. That's what I was dad. Like, hey, dad, dad, dad. There were people, dad, dad. We set the telescope up this time. We did. We used the chain. We used this the time. chain this time. Yeah. We didn't forget the chain, and we lifted it out. Eyepiece first. We got two eyepieces I in there. First. The two eyelids. Dad, dad. We did it right, and we saw someone. We must bar- have been at least six miles out. We barely jounced it. <laughs> it was jounced maybe twice. And it was mostly because of Well, Chet. son, what were they doing? Oh, no, we just saw him, and we came to you immediately. As soon as we saw a person, we were <laughs> out of there, Dad. You know, just like our trip to New York, as soon as you learn one thing, you stop. <laughs> That's the hardy way. Uh, but he was interrupted by the sudden, terrifying scream of a man. What? Where'd that come from? Chet asked with a frightened look. Sounded as if it came from inside, Frank answered. So... Here's the titular line. This is chapter one. Yeah. Compared to the last book where it was like page 60 or something like that, 55, and like chapter eight. Here we get, the boys stared at the house on the cliff. So I have some hope that this book will maybe be more of one big mystery and not like the first half being focused on Chet's car, and then mm. that sort of connects loosely to the the larger mystery, the titular yeah. mystery. Um, this we are we have set the table at the house on the cliff already on page it's eleven. Just this single thing we don't have to worry about Robinson and his and Slim losing his job or getting a job because Robinson lost his job and all that. We just have to worry about telescopes and two <laughs> Felixes. Feli. I don't know what the plural I like Feli. That sounds nice. Um, somebody's in there and is in trouble, Joe exclaimed. We better find out what's going on. So this is an interesting note because it's not really important. You could just say the boys ran to the front door and tried the knob, but the author included leaving the telescope. <laughs> the four boys ran to the front door and tried the knob. <laughs> and I feel like he that was like his publisher was like you know, the first draft where you were like, Frank stayed with the telescope and the other three boys went to check on the guy. Maybe, maybe have all four boys go. No. And then we'll you just You can't just leave t- the telescope. It's not even chained down properly. Sheila, you don't just leave a telescope on the cliff. Okay. The next to a seed, you have any idea how much salt is in the air? <laughs> it's going to get in the optics, Sheila. The chain will lose its swinginess. With all the jousting earlier, you're not just going to leave it there. The, the chain will loose. The chain has been over jousted already. I'm sorry, Franklin, but they're going to have to just leave it. Oh, fine, yeah. And I guess they're just going to run to the dad as soon as they see something. Well, actually, that's a good idea. <laughs> now, the publisher is like, uh, they're going to have to leave the telescope. Fine, but I'm putting in the book that they're leaving it. I'm putting it. It's going to say leaving the telescope, so people are going to know. And then what happens if our readers, as amateur detective wannabes, decide to leave their telescopes? That's on you. That's on you, not me. There's going to be. I'm going to tell you, fine with tonight. the sales of this book, there will be thousands of lost telescopes. That's on you. You know how in the first book we that were like, brass this is book? on your hands. <laughs> <laughs> the, the jouncing. 
is on your conscience. In the first book, we were like, was this sponsored by a hat company because they kept mentioning hats? Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure this was underwritten by like Nikon or somebody who's making telescopes back then. Like, it had to be. And really talk about the distance. They did 26 miles. These can do 26 miles. Nice distance. Nice distance. <laughs> What is that from? It's from a lot of different movies. Yeah. Uh, there's one in the Power Rangers where Ivan Ooze spits, and this little, like, I don't know what it is, like a little snapping turtle thing just turns and looks at Ivan Ooze and just goes, nice distance. <laughs> it's in something else, too. I can't remember the other I'm movie. I'm picturing it with a lisp. It's somewhere with nice distance. Oh, it's also in Happy, uh, Happy Gilmore. There it is. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Boom. Anyways, uh, then we get uh, so leaving the telescope, uh, they run to the front door, tried the knob, it was locked. Uh, let's scatter and see if we can find another door. Frank suggested, and so they run around the house. They don't find one. They meet at the back of the house, and they're like, "Yeah, the this door's locked too." So he says, "You know, I saw a broken window around the corner." Biff says, uh, "Should we climb in? I guess we'd better." And then, do you want to close this out with this cliffhanger? Last two paragraphs there. As the boys reached the window, which seemed to open into a library, they heard the scream again. Help! Hurry! Help! Came an agonized cry. Bum, bum, bum. Chapter one in the books, we've laid the table for an adventure. And I like there's sort of fork in the road here. Yeah. And knowing the first book... I wonder if we are going to have sort of these two mysteries where we had Chet's car and the tower robbery in the first Mm -hmm. book. And now instead of doing them sequentially is something happening inside this house that is unrelated to the smugglers or does it just happen to be related due to the two Felixes, Feli? I I don't know where this is going to go. This is a true cliffhanger for me. It's, It's very interesting. I wonder who could be screaming inside. Yeah. In this overgrown house, which which clearly no one had been in, like it was dilapidated. Yeah, the owner's been dead for sagging. a month. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I hope they took the body out. I don't know what things were like <laughs> back then, but if they were like, yeah, Felix Pot- Paula died in his house. Yeah, it's you- okay. His body will be used as fertilizer in the house. Did it's you take the body out? No, him. gross. <laughs> yeah, I'm not touching that. It smells in there. <laughs> it looks creepy because of the grass. I'm not going inside. If he wanted his body removed, he should have cut the grass. <laughs> Everyone knows. That's a good first chapter. I'm it satisfied. is. It's a thrilling first chapter. I'm glad we got the telescope action. I hope that doesn't let up. I hope that's a continuously used thing oh, throughout God. this. It would be awesome if in the the next chapter, like, or if in subsequent chapters, there's other like details about the telescope. Yeah, and just to, like as little as like. Fenton Hardy moved the telescope out of the way to get to his, you know, his file of disguises. It's like the man was 2.4 miles away. If only they had a telescope, they could per- perfectly identify him. Well, I, I, it is missing the brand. I wish they would have written that. If only they had a Nikon telescope. Yeah. The best telescopes in Bayport. The best telescopes for detectives. Hands down. Hands down. Hands down. Uh, we did last season, we did a chapter zero, The Promise, and we've oh, foregone yeah. that this time. Yeah. Gotten right into it. Boom, right into it. Right into the action. Yeah. But here we are on the denouement of episode one. 
yes. season two. German, fantastic. Is, thank you. Is there anything you think that the listeners and readers need to know going forward? Uh, about the book, about you, about me? I don't know. I just think, I think this is going to be a great season. I think we've, we've figured out our formula. We're... Uh, we're working great together and we're going to get better. I would like to say uh, welcome to yes. any listeners who are joining Fresh us. Fresh start. Yeah, with season two. Yeah. See, it, it can be difficult to approach podcasts like this and like catch up and start from the very beginning. And I will say that ep- uh, season one got off to a slow start. Oh, yeah. I can admit that. We were figuring out what we we were were doing. We were batching episodes. So the first four episodes, we had no idea what the formula was. Or Yeah. We were figuring it all out as we went. Uh, And I feel like toward the end of the season, we we, we got our stride. We really Mm -hmm. got our stride. Um, But I think what you need to know if you're just joining us is that these books were rewritten in 1959 because they were too racist uh, and also very like anti-authority yeah. with the police. So the, the end of season one, after we finished the book, we compared an original version of the book to the common version of the book that we all have. Uh, and there were some notable differences. Uh, the children were younger. The by main a characters year were each. younger. Yeah. Uh, by two years each. Oh, two years each. Yeah. Oh, that's right. They were 15. 15 and 16 instead of 17 and 18. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but... The the detective Oscar Smuff, who I hope comes back. I know I'm in book two. really upset. I haven't seen any Smuff or Preto yet. But we didn't see Smuff until into like chapter four in the first book. This is correct. So this is I, right. I have hope. Yeah, they need to set the table first. Smuff's gonna be in it. He's got to be. Feast. I would hope so. But with the Snap Man and Chief just Colleague, like, these can't be one offs. Like they're gonna yeah. work with the police unless they got fired because Fenton's solving all the crimes. Oh, and you think Con Riley's running the department oh, now? Yeah. After he got that award for defusing the bomb? <laughs> By pouring water on the bomb? Because that's how you clock. disarm a bomb Man, in those the are 1920s. Great. Those are so great. It's a bomb? Just put water on it. If you're just joining us it, with the podcast, go back and listen to like chapters or episodes 21 through 26, which was the comparison of the two books. Yeah. Because we sort of cover a lot of, of the storyline in there and compare it. And I think there's some some useful insight into the Hardy's world. Uh, and we're not going to get too deep into their origin now. We're going to focus on their development. But things yeah. like, I guess, Frank is into Callie Shaw, and oh, Joe yeah. is into Iola Morton, Chet's sister. Well, I mean, if for a girl. She's okay for she's a girl. She's okay for a girl, yeah. yeah she's all right. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that I think you need to know about these books is that, oh, no, I totally lost my train of thought. It was something important. Something important and it's gone, David. It's gone. It's, it's not. You've already said the rewritten thing. Uh, yeah, I don't it's know. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. So this upsets me. So with this uh, podcast, we invite you to join us along. You're welcome to read along. You are encouraged to read the chapter before the episode, so you can join us on the storyline. But we'll try to give you the big hits. Mm-hmm. We'll try to give you this, the beats of the story, so that if you're not reading along, you can still follow the story with us and and not be left behind by characters and stuff. Um, But that said, we will recap during episode 11. After we read the first 10 chapters, we will do a recap episode. So if you're listening to this now and you know you've got something going on and the next, you're going to miss the next episodes, join us uh, halfway through. Yeah, the recaps are fun, too. Which will be, we've got a schedule now. Look at this! August 19th, we will post the recap. And that's for the first 10 chapters. That's for the first 10 chapters, which means that 
the so we did tell us about the live show the live show uh i sweat a lot um we both wore nikes is that what you want to hear yeah <laughs> live show is a blast we're going to be doing another live show um, what's going to be different about this live show this new live show we, we realized it was harder to do our actual episode 20 wrap-up because nothing really happens in 20 so it didn't give us enough to go off of so for the next show we're just going to do a whole book review we're going to read chapter 20 beforehand that'll be released as a standard episode and then for season two live episode full-on planned antics it's gonna be a blast yeah I, i would say with the with the live show from the book the first book we were trying to react to chapter 20, but yeah. a great portion of the audience had not read the first book or listened to much to of the first any season. Of the episodes. And so yeah. everything was out of context. So we spent a good deal of time sort of recapping the book. And this yeah. time, we're just going to recap the whole book. Uh, right. And it'll be sort of our, our highlights, our favorite pieces here and there. Like spider legs, Biff. Yeah, you got like that. the spider legs. Best line in this book. So, that, I, I don't have anything else. I'm, well, I'm excited to yeah. read, to, to keep reading. Like, like we're going to do a couple episodes today. And as we were saying before we recorded this, like, I was excited to open the book. We've been waiting. It's been, it's been since April since we've read Fresh Hardy Boys. I know. It's been driving mysteries. me nuts just looking at the house on the cliff. And it was exciting cliff. to open this book and yeah. get started. Uh, and I guess we'll see what comes through when we get to chapter two. <laughs> 